the Christian life is simple. It ain't always easy, but it can be simple. Life's complex, but, but living daily as a disciple of Jesus Christ doesn't have to be so complicated. Sometimes we just, we just make it more complicated than it really needs to be. And so we're starting a new series this morning titled, Less is More. Embracing simplicity for a healthy soul, a flourishing church. Let's be more than caring. We're very caring. I want to, I want to flourish as a church and a lasting happiness. We're, we're talking about uh, in the next six weeks, uh, just a handful of intentional habits, uh, recommitting uh, to six uh, ancient, uh, they're known as, they're still known as means of grace that, that are offered to us in our relationship with Jesus, that give us access to his spirit that will transform uh, our church, our families, our lives, and fill us with more joy. Isn't that what we're here for? Less stress. Less anxiety, less chaos, less pull of the world's ways, and, and frankly, less foolishness and, and sin. I'll, I'll be the first to acknowledge that. And more of what's truly important, more order, more peace. And most of all, the series aims at, at more of knowing Jesus and, and enjoying Jesus and being in, in fellowship with Jesus every day of life. The first day of the week today and throughout your week, and then you see the weeks and the months and the years go by, you can see I'm getting more and more of what really matters. Quoting the, the great philosopher of my generation, not Winston Churchill, but of my generation, Ferris Bueller, quote, <laughs> life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. So we've, we've defined six principles, these I'm referring to them as, as they're ancient because anything over, well, gosh, nowadays anything over 20 years old is pretty ancient, right? But 2,000 years old, 3,000, 4,000 habits, uh, they're known as means of grace, the grace of, for, for living for God, of Christian living. Six, six principles for this six-week series. And these principles are, are the basis of, of everything that we're focused on uh, this fall and, and throughout the school year. So if you go out here to the uh, next environment after uh, service, and you talk to one of our, our hosts there. They're there to listen, to counsel, to help you kind of figure out what's your next step in your journey of faith. But the conversation, inevitably, if it keeps going, will we'll turn to one of these six principles. They will make, give you some resources. Even today, they have some resources for you. Pastor Frank has a class immediately following this service uh, in the hospitality uh, room that's based on the first principle that we'll be looking at this morning. This is very intentional on our part. We want to do a few things exceptionally well, right? Instead of trying to do everything under the sun, let's just do a few things really, really well in order to fulfill our mission of more God, more love, and more life. So here they are. Here are the six principles for, for where we're headed. There's even a Bible study I wrote for our elders. If you'd like to pick up a copy of, for all six of these, you can just take that on your own. Those, those copies are also out there. They are prayer and Sabbath, Serving and stewardship, leading and discipleship, they kind of paired up. Some individual ones would be worship and fellowship. But today's theme, where we're starting, is biblical knowledge. That is to say, to develop a deeper understanding of Scripture so that we know who God is, we know a little bit more about who we are, and we understand our world rightly. 
So we're going to talk about studying the Holy Bible. Someone's thinking, oh gosh. Here we go. Pastor's going to talk about reading the Bible. I see, I, I've heard all the reasons why folks uh, find it difficult to read God's Word and to study God's Word. And I, I would admit to all these myself and different points in my life where I'd say, yeah, I, I get it because I'm living it too. I'm very familiar with these. Here are the ones that top my list. Preoccupied with a host of other uh, urgent things, urgent things that grab our attention that we have to address right away. What's number one on the list? I'm too busy. Just too, too busy. Where would you find the time? I've heard it's, it's really hard to read the Bible. Can we agree to that for some of us? It's confusing. We, we don't know where to start. I get that too. All, all those hard to pronounce words. I mean, have you gotten some of those lists of names? You sort of just, uh, I'm not sure what, what I'm saying, what I'm reading. It's outdated, these customs. You're thinking to yourself, what the heck is going on? And we're told to just read on, read on. And when we do get it, when we, when we do give it a good try, and, and here we are in October, but in January, where are many people going to do? They're going to make a commitment. Here's, this is the year I'm going to read the Bible from cover to cover. Have, you, have any of you done that? Can you raise your hand? Yeah. How many of us actually do it all the way through? Okay. You get past uh, the story of Exodus, and then you get into like, oh, my goodness. I'm going to, I'm going to hang this one up. And it's discouraging. It's discouraging. The first time I read through the whole Bible was, was in a, a Bible study, the first men's Bible study group that I, I joined after I uh, received Christ. I was baptized. I was uh, plugged into a, a young man's, uh, a bunch of young guys in, in our late teens and early 20s. So I had that accountability to read it. So, so I read it. I read it all the way through. And you know what happened? It made me really uncomfortable. I mean, have you, have you, have you, there's some uncomfortable parts in Scripture. I'm not just talking about convicting parts. I'm talking about descriptions of things, of wars, and the way people can be so cruel to one another. And it's, it's in Scripture. It's descriptive. It's not prescriptive. It's not like this is how we should behave. Not at all. But it can be very disturbing. Dig a little deeper. There are parts that seemingly are very very much uh, seem to be an error, contradictions, confusions. Wait, it says this here, but it says this here. How can we reconcile the two? So over the years, I've heard uh, it's boring, it's confusing, it's disturbing, and it's wrong, to name a few. And I've had people say to me, Pastor Pete, I've, I've read the whole Bible for real from cover to cover, and you know what? God didn't speak to me. Is that fair? Can, we, can I say that to you? For, for me to give you a false claim that if you read it, then something... I've had people say to me, Pastor I've, I've read from cover to cover, and I, I didn't get anything out of it. What do we do with that? And, and then others say to me, just totally being honest, I, I get enough Bible on Sundays. I, I, I hear it at times. I, it, it's enough. And finally, some others would say, I really just want to find the good parts, you know, the parts that are really encouraging. I know, remember when I first preached on Psalm 23, I'd been at, at church for about, oh, I don't know, maybe it'd been like two years. I finally preached on Psalm 23. It turned out it was this one dear old saint's favorite passage, and she said, finally, a good sermon. <laughs> I 
Listen, we're always listening to someone. The question is, are we listening to God? In a meeting, in class, at dinner, in your car, no matter where or when you, you hear that familiar ding of your cell phone, a text message gets your immediate attention. You're, you're compelled to pull that phone out of your pocket and read it. We have to be reminded to mute our phones when we're watching a movie, don't we? Or in church. We don't have to do that too often here. Because we're so easily distracted. But, but what if God sent you a message? And of course we know, in truth, he has sent you a message, the Bible. In this amazing collection of 66 books, you'll find poetry and prophecy and history and instructions. And most importantly, you'll find the story of a, of a loving father who goes to incredible lengths to redeem his children and all of creation. Friends, at the top of our list as a church for a healthy soul, for a flourishing church and a lasting happiness is biblical knowledge, developing a, a deeper understanding of who God is, who we are, and understanding the world around us. We've staked our church's reputation on this. Think about how much time we spend in Scripture. We have stacks of Bibles. I mean, there, are there any in your pews? There's no pews. Chairs? No. But there's Bibles coming out of our ears. I mean, the average uh, family that goes to church has uh, four and a half Bibles. I'm not sure what the other half is, but four and a half Bibles in your home. So I want to talk about the love letter that God has written to us this morning. And to do that, I have a very interesting passage of Scripture that you may or may not have read recently. I'd like to invite Jennifer to come forward, and let's stand together. We're going to read from Psalm 119, verses 129 to 136. Good morning. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from human oppression that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is disobeyed, is not obeyed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be God. Thank you. I heard you say that. Okay. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Please be seated. The longest chapter in the longest book of the Bible is Psalm 119. And it's a love poem. Listen, it's a love poem to God's love letter to us. It's truly this, uh, it's an amazing work of art. Uh, eight verses in each stanza. And within each stanza, the, the verses begin with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so verses one to eight, the, the first word on each line begins with Aleph. And verses nine to 16, it begins with Beth. And verses 17 to 24, it begins with Gimel, of course. I'd remember that one. And so forth through the whole 
uh, Hebrew alphabet. We just read uh, Ped versus, uh, uh, what was it, uh, 129 to 136. So the, the first word in each of those lines in Hebrew begins with a different letter. It's sort of A to Z, God, I love you. I think about what was that song? Was it, uh, who was it that sang, L is for the way you look at me, oh. Come on, Tony Bennett. Oh, sorry, thank you. We'll work on that. We'll edit that part with the Tony Bennett line. So that's what this is. I mean, it's gushy stuff. He, he loves God's word so much. And, and he doesn't just say God's word. He, uses a, he pulls out uh, his dictionary and his thesaurus, and he goes to town. He, he loves God's law, his testimonies, precepts, statutes, commands, rules, promises. Pretty emotional stuff. I mean, the author, Jennifer, just read what is he doing? Is he studying in his study? No, he, he's panting. <laughs> I want your word so much. Oh, God, I love you so much. What's going on here? The, the, the longest love poem in all of Scripture is about the word of God? He's not talking about reading. I think about all the people in church history that were illiterate. They, they couldn't read. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a longing for God's word. Three years ago, I was in, in Israel, a wonderful tour of, of Palestine and, and Israel. I was in Jerusalem at the Western Wall. It was once known as the, the Wailing Wall, but they call it the Western Wall. And you see people standing there. I was able to stand there. I saw a young man, a uh, 14-year-old, 13-year-old, is bar mitzvah with his uncle's uh, dancing around after he had read the Torah. Have you ever seen a, a Jewish person read scripture? You see how, how we in the West, when we're as Christians, we read like this. Well, I don't know if we kneel, but we just stand very still. What, how do they do? How do the Jews read scripture? They're, they're moving, aren't they? It's not some new dance move. They're into it. They're into it. This love letter to God about the love letter from God. The psalmist says this is the basis of everything a believer in God is to do in life. That, that the inspired, that is the, the God-breathed, inerrant, infallible, self-consistent message of all 66 books written by at least 35 authors over 1,600 years on three different continents in three different languages. It has one consistent message. It's more than a handbook for life. It's not just a manual. It's not just an answer book. It is a collection, it's more than a collection of old stories. It is the very revelation of God. In words and sentences, it's the way people communicate with one another. So here's my main point. I'm just going to jump right to application. Here you go. When you see as God sees, you will do as God says. Plain and simple. When we see world as, as God sees it. You see, see him and his holiness and his goodness and, and his attributes. And we see who we are. Then you will do what he says. You don't need any controlling. You don't need any arm twisting. You'll get it. Because he'll get a hold of your heart. This psalmist, this is just another fancy word for saying this poet. This poet says that those who are spiritual long for God's words because they give understanding for life. He says, 
now that he sees the value in God, uh, teaching, God's teaching about life, and now that he knows what to do, how to live, he's overwhelmingly happy. And, and then he appeals to God to, to pay more attention to him. I mean, we're already, folks, well into the psalm, right? We're coming up to the end of this beautiful poem, and he's just saying, God, I need more of you. He cries out, Lord, direct my steps away from sin. Well, look with me at verses 134 to 136. Just look at it again for a moment. Redeem me from human oppression. Is that relevant? You bet. In 2018, something written thousands of years ago, redeem me from, from what's oppressive, the chaos that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant. Teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. The, the, the reaction of one who's drawn closer and closer to the Lord is, is when people reject God's word. It, it hurts our heart, doesn't it? I mean, it's not, not out, out, of, out of judgment, out of, out of, I'm better than you, just like, oh, you're missing out, don't you, don't you realize what you have? My friends, this is where I want you to be. This is where I want to be. To think and feel like this. To delight in, in, in God's word. Let, let me just draw your attention to this question. With nothing to do, nothing crowding your schedule, what do you tend to meditate on? What do you mull over in your mind? In those quiet moments, even today, even this morning, what was filling your mind? Friends, we have, have resources in our church to help you in, in getting into God's word, into reading it and listening to it and studying. I've, I've included a little study for you for our home groups, but also on your own just to get into, into Scripture uh, this week. But I, but I simply want to lift up an example of what it looks like to be healthy in biblical knowledge. The psalmist doesn't know all the facts, doesn't know all the theology, doesn't know all the fancy words, but, but he's pursuing the Lord. A little girl asked me at the end of last week's service, she said, Pastor Pete, she's like this, Pastor Pete, actually, I had to come down even lower. She said, if God created everything, who created God? That's a good question. That's a good question. No pat answers. No Sunday school platitudes. That's, that's the search, the mystery that we're, we're to see and under, understand who God is. This is a little child pursuing the very face of God. And I want that child's simple faith and that pursuit of wanting to know more to be evident in everything we do as a church. Biblical knowledge, knowing God, knowing more of ourselves through his revelation that when we see as God sees, we will do as God says. Now I want to say a final word. My final word he's already done? Oh, how about that? Is he, is, he, is he done yet? It's first quarter. Let's, let's move this along. <laughs> I want to say a final word for those of us who say, I, I don't feel him. I, I read, I study. I've had, the, I've had friends who've gone to seminary, folks, who have invested years of their life in, in biblical knowledge, who say, I, I, I don't get anything out of what you're saying. 
And I want to say this. God is not playing hide and seek. He wants you to be sure to, to come to him, to draw strength from him so that you can live fully for him. But he doesn't give himself to you in any way that you might choose. No, God has made himself noble and accessible in specific ways of his own wise choosing. By these habits, by, by these very means of grace that we're going to study this, these next few weeks, these principles that we're going to walk through, these are at least some of the, the most important ones God has ordained in, in his wise counsel to say, these are the ways that you'll come to me and know me. These are the ways he chooses to, to uh, communicate. That what we believe and feel about the word of God is crucial to the future of our church and to your next step in discipleship. So I, I want to just pray this morning that the Holy Spirit helps us as a church to, to think and to feel more like the psalmist. Amen? That's, that's what I want to think and feel the way our worship experience was that first half an hour just so filled up what's going to carry us forward. It's going to be able to, to be rooted in and based in the very means of God's grace here, the, the preaching of his word, the hearing and the study and growing in biblical knowledge. That he, that we, that we would be thinking about scripture finally as Jesus thought about scripture. That Jesus thought and taught that, that the word of God was sufficient he thought and taught that, that it gives us all that we need for life and godliness. He taught it had authority and that it was very much needed by his disciples. When he was fasting for 40 days in the desert and, and Satan came to discourage him and attack him and said, why don't you just turn these stones into bread? Jesus relied on the word of God. Deuteronomy uh, 8, man shall not live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that proceedeth or comes from the mouth of God. So if it's good enough for Jesus, it's, it's so good for us. May we be a people who live on every word that comes from him. This is my prayer, folks. May we be filled with his spirit, so under the influence that when we open our mouths, God's words come out because we're filled with him. That we would be spirit-filled people. Ephesians 5.19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, so filled with the, with the praise of God, it's just the first thing on the tip of our tongues to give thanks and, and blessings for the Spirit's presence that, that we would submit to one another out of reverence. This is all out of Ephesians 5.18-21, that we would submit to one another out of reverence for God, that we would receive supernatural empowering, because how else will we attract the world to us as a church? I can't believe I wrote down that we would be a caring church because that's a wonderful thing to be a caring church. We, we can meet that in our own strength because we can just be, people can be nice, but we need to flourish. We need super powerful help from God to attract a world that is dying and lost and is in chaos and needs help. When you see as God sees, you will do as God says, to read and think and live scripture. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this testimony from 
a dear saint who probably uh, just poured out himself or herself into writing this psalm. I pray, God, that you would stir in us who are doubting, who are fearful, who are saying ho-hum or oh-yeah. You stir in us to say, yes, yes, we want to, we want to know you more, God. We pray that we would encourage one another in ways that we can get into your, your word, God, podcasts or listening on the radio or, or speaking it to one another or studying it. May us be a people, Lord, that are of your word, the written word and the living word of Christ. Amen. Thank you.